to episode 23 of the Caesar Show. It's been a while, but I'm back at it. You know, I got a new guest this week. Uh, it's going to be a great episode, but I just want to recap you guys on last week's episode, which was episode 22. I had my boy Wave, aka Carl, out here, one of the homies new since freshman year. Uh, you know, we just wanted to chat up some basketball, so, you know, we started talking about, you know, trusting the process with the 76ers, you know, the W's they've been winning, Joel and B's dominance going on to the rise of Porzingis, you know, the Celtics' hot streak, uh, LiAngelo Ball's trouble in China, just a lot of topics we just addressed, and it was just a great episode, and I hope this episode well, I know this episode is just going to be another great one. You know, I got my boy, uh, one of the writers from Mo Boombox. He goes by JC. So, if, ladies and gentlemen, if you can give him a warm welcome, my boy, JC. Say what's up, man. Yo, yo, real quick, shout out to my man Caesars, man, for getting me on here. But um, like he was telling you, my name's JC. I'm a right for Mo Boombox. I've known C for a little while now, and his passion for basketball is one that's unmatched. And I'm just here to help some, have some great dialogue with him and just talk some basketball, man. That's what we're here for, right? That's all we're here for. So let's get right to it. First topic of discussion, uh, we got to talk about D-Rose, man. And D-Rose, if you guys don't know, D-Rose is just, you know... One of my favorite players, well, was one of my favorite players just growing up, you know, when he first, when he when he went to Memphis till he got to Chicago. I really thought he was about to put Chicago back on the map. He did for a little bit, but ever since then, he's just been in so many injuries, um, both knees, ankle, broke his face a little bit, his eye, his wrist. Like, this dude just made a glass. Um, and just every year, I just always like, you know, he's going he's gonna to find a way to get back. He's going to find a way. And he's been doing that. But... I'm starting to just believe in, I thought it was a stereotype at first with injury proneness, but I'm starting to see these trends in players who keep getting hurt and hurt and hurt. So to make a long story short, he he contacted the GM, the team himself. He spoke with him. Because you remember last year when he was on the Knicks, he went and missed it for one game. So it's only right to just contact somebody, right? <laughs> so he contacts him and he's just like, yo, I need a break from basketball. This is this is this is this is taking a mental toll on me, and he just didn't know if it was if it was even worth you know playing again. So the team let him take a little break. Um, everyone understood, um, and it just sucks because you just have a guy who just gives it his all, and it just seems like every time he steps on the court. I'm always that person that when he attacks the basket, I'm just like, yo, like, is he going to get hurt? Is he fine? And I can only imagine what he goes through, you know, always trying to get in top-notch shape. And then as soon as he plays, he's just donezo. Um, and his latest injury was ankle injury, of course. Uh, he was playing the Bucks, I think, a few weeks ago. Greg Murrow pushed him when he was going to the to the, uh, to the um, free throw line or whatever, to the basket. And he got hurt. Came back a few games later and he re-hurt himself. And right now, his word has it, he has a boot on. So I'm just like, damn, man. Like, this dude can't catch a break. Not JC, how, how do you feel about this whole D-Rose state of mind, man? 
And it's funny to me, man, really, because D Rose was, it seemed like 2011 was so long ago, right? 2011, man, D Rose was really out here making moves, man. And, you know, he had the Bulls on a, on a, on a trajectory that was trending upward, you know what I'm saying? And now you look at it here, we fast forward to 2017, and now it just seems like, like you said, the injury prone bug is one, one thing that is common now. Um, just, you know, what, where's his mental state at is what I want to know, really. You know, because he had to take time off. Like you said, last year, he went on highs with the Knicks. Yeah. So it's crazy, man, because this young man was once somebody we thought was going to be up there as far as Steph Curry, KD, Russell Westbrook. Hell, you can even say Russell Westbrook was what we thought Derrick Rose was going to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I think really, I really do think he's going to be back at some point this year. Um, you know, I seen the report earlier. He was he had been having good talks with Tyron Lue and upper management. Um, and I think he want to get back onto the court. And when you're on the team with LeBron James, man, you the spotlight not on you. So I feel like if he can just take his time, get himself back together, he's on a great team where, you know, the number one story is going to be LeBron. So he can go ahead and get his mind right, get his body right, without having the pressure of being rushed back. And then once Isaiah Thomas come back, I mean, it's just, it, I feel like they can find a role for him a niche you know what i'm saying that's that's the best thing for rose that's why i think the cleveland situation was the best for him because like i said he can fly under the radar i mean of course when d rose come up and injury come up we're going to talk about it. but at the same time you know you're on a team with lebron james that's on the 11 game winning streak you don't got to worry about hearing all oh, d rose this d rose that when you got the best player in the world basically the front man of the show you know what i'm saying so that's how i feel about it and i think if D Rose can come back healthy and with a healthy Isaiah Thomas and they got all their pieces together, I feel like, meanwhile, I think the Warriors still gonna win. I feel like this team, <laughs> like real talk, but I feel like this team, I don't know, with the with the bodies they got, I feel like they could make some noise and make an interest, in, at least more than last year. Yeah, man, it definitely, definitely. And I know when we were off air, you were just talking about how if D Rose never got hurt and whatnot, even with Isaiah Thomas coming back, you said you may potentially still start D Rose. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, yeah, man. Definitely one of my more, I guess you can call it a fire take because a lot of people won't try to hear it. Um, and then, of course, D-Rose getting hurt. <laughs> and, of course, and of course, D-Rose getting hurt pretty much put a, threw a monkey wrench into that theory. But what I was thinking was, you know, one thing about Derrick Rose, he's not the greatest defender, but he is 6'3", 6'4". So, you know, the one thing about Isaiah Thomas, he is a dynamic scorer. But the one thing that plagued Boston last year that I noticed a lot against Cleveland was the fact that he's so small. At 5'9", if that, teams, yeah, teams would expose him I mean all you will see they will put him in the pick and roll off ball on ball get him in these matchups where he's at an unfavorable advantage and then you have like I said you got these point guards Kyrie and stuff if you can't guard these guys it's a point guards league man you know what I'm saying and like I said Rose is not I'm about I'm not saying Derrick Rose is the next coming to look Kawhi Leonard at point guard but all I'm saying is he got the least he has the size to stick with guys in the league you know what i'm saying of course he's injured so you know probably people gonna hear this and think oh he don't know what he's talking about but at, at one point i thought you know with roles you can bring isaiah thomas off the bench and of course isaiah thomas had that role anyway that was what his bread and butter was before he even became the guy who we see today but um you know we'll see what happens when it comes down the road but that's one thing isaiah thomas is going to be a big addition for the Cavs when he come back but i just want to see they already a porous defensive team so i just want to see how that's going him starting in the lineup, how that's going to factor in, because then now you're going to have to bring a lot of attention to whoever he guarding. And I think that could compromise the Cavs' defense as a whole. <laughs> I completely agree with you 100% with everything, but we're going we're gonna to hold off a little bit on that starting spot because, like you said, let's not forget, you know, even though IT had a bench role before he went to the Celtics, 
Homie dropped 30 last year, so That's fact. they definitely need that scoring. You know, a lot of people argue you can say Kyrie was a defensive liability. He was definitely in the bottom tier of defenders last year. So I think with a good solid foundation around IT, he's gonna he's gonna get some things done. Um, but then again, it's a playoff time. So like you said, you know, maybe in certain crunch times, you know, you're gonna need your your you know height and your and your weight and your athleticism against Golden State. So D Rose will be a good option. Or they have Cavs have so much flexibility, so they can put anybody in there. Like now, they lately I think closing wise they'll have K Love at the five, LeBron at the four with like Jeff Green and D Wade Jay and Jr. Smith, Jay Carter. So they have options. So I'm excited about that. We're gonna talk about the the Cavs a little bit, you know, later in the segment. You know, with their dominance and whatnot. But more of the story is, D-Rose, you're going to be in our prayers. We need you back on the court because NBA is not the same without you on the court. And also, I need you to come back because you're on my fantasy team. And (laughs) and this is blowing me right now. Trust me, he needs it. I'm winning right now, by the way, undefeated. We'll save that for another day, too. (laughs) Moving on from there, Blake Griffin. So the other day, Blake Griffin, I forgot who they were playing. Um, but Blake Griffin hurt his knee again. I think Lakers. he sprained his MCL. They're playing the Lakers, you're right. And in the fourth quarter, right, mm-hmm. he sprained his MCL. Um, it was pretty bad because he's had knee injuries in the past, quad injuries, whatnot. Um, and it just looks like he's another injury prone, injury prone, injury prone. I'm sorry, player. Um, and it's just crazy. Uh, Clippers right now, I think they're 10th in the West right now. Um, I just ex- I just expected them to be a little better. But, you know, obviously Chris Paul, when he leaves your franchise, that's just a huge, a huge giveaway. You know, he's the heart and soul of that team. Um, and they got Gallinari this year, one of the big um, contract signings. He got hurt. Beverly's going for a brick. So a lot of people in and out of line. So you can't really blame, you know, the coach because he doesn't have his full ammo but at the same time like if you guys have been a you know a 50 win t- uh team you know these last x amount of years then you guys should play better but well blake in general like when i saw him get hurt you know it did look gruesome but the fact that he was walking i wasn't too worried i've seen other players who hurt their knee and they just could not get up you know what i'm saying so the fact that he's walking i thought it was gonna be like a little strain he'll be back for you know he'll be back in like two three weeks but it's saying two months now um, so at that point, you got to just look at, I've heard rumors that they're trying to trade DeAndre Jordan for Tristan Thompson. Should they hit the reset? Should they fire Coach Doc? If you're the Clippers, what are you doing, JC? I mean, if I'm the Clippers, man, I feel like they window closed a long time ago. Um, to be honest, losing Chris Paul was the start. And then, of course, they came out here. They sprung like five straight wins. They started the season like 5-0, 6-0, or something like that. But even before the Blake injury, you started to see the chinks in the armor. Um, like you said, you lost a big player that you signed in Gallinari. Then you lost Pat Bev, who was looking like he was having a career year. Um, but at the same time, I mean, how long are we going to continue to go through this? If I'm a Clippers fan, how long are we going to continue to go through this? Um, being a Sixers fan, I understand what it's like to be a team that's good but not good enough. Um, you know, you it's good that you make the playoffs, but if you're not really making no push toward a championship, then what's it all for? And um, in the West, man, like we was talking before the show, in the West, one loss, two losses here and there can pretty much derail your season at any given point because you have so many great teams. And to me, I just feel like they should just – I think it's time. Um, of course, Blake – Honestly, he's probably going to be done. Um, if he do come back, they're probably going to be way out of playoff contention, so they're probably just going to shut him down. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see DeAndre Jordan get shipped out as well and be on the lookout for him to the Wizards. That's 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 my hot take. I think Washington going to find a way to get him there. Blake um, Griffin? 
Nah, DeAndre Jordan. Oh, DeAndre okay, Jordan. Okay, okay. Griffin, I don't know. He hurt, man. Too. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I think might push, you know, push through as we get closer and closer to, you know, midseason and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the Clippers, man, I think Doc, when they first got together, man, I think we all had hopes and aspirations that, you know, the Clippers are back. You know, they finally the team of LA. And even then, being a better team in LA, people still cared about the Lakers more anyway. So, you know, when it's thing like it was, you know, growing up, Clippers was always trash. We got to see them a little bit being good. But um when you think about it, um, it's just they had their chance, their best chance was in twenty fifteen, I believe, and um against Houston and for some reason they let Josh Smith and Corey Brewer basically beat him and ever since then they haven't been able to recover with all these injuries, things like that. It's a situation with Doc and how his coaching style is and it's affecting the players. I mean it's just been a low key it's been a mess if when you want to think about it. But that's how I feel about that. Man. They could possibly, you know, be still cursed from Donald Sterling, old racist. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they still curse, man. Who knows? Maybe, Maybe, Maybe. He, they, he signed a deal, so they, they got until like the year 2030, then they can finally get things started. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes I can be a bit of a you know, conspiracy theorist and whatnot. <laughs> but... Uh, that sounds smart to me. <laughs> <laughs> it might be right. I, yeah, I, I I agree though. It's, it's time to hit the reset button because you guys are out of playoff. You when Blake <coughs> comes back, like JC said, you guys are going to be out of playoff contention. So get rid of John, DeAndre Jordan, get some young assets for that. Uh, fire the coach. You know he's he's going to be one anywhere else. Uh, I think the owner's just too lenient towards him at times because um, he's I feel like he's new to basketball and he just want to buy a team. You know. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah go ahead, go ahead. And one of my final thing about this, this goes to show you that sometimes the coach isn't always equipped to be the general manager, too. That's one thing I noticed with the Clippers, man. I feel like Doc Rivers, a lot of times he just see players that he think he would like and put them in. He don't really have that GM mentality of getting players in there. Case in point, his son, I mean, he's all right, but I mean, come on. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. I just think that a lot of moves Doc made as the GM, his GM side of his job, I think he fell short a lot there. And that's another big reason why I feel like the Clippers was held back as a whole. Definitely, definitely, definitely. He definitely has too much time invested into his players. I think his, his, his as, as a GM, I know he's a coach too, but as a GM, you have to, you know, do what's best for the team. He just, you know, catered towards his players, like you said, and he got too emotionally attached to him because there was options where he could have, you know, traded for Melo um, and he would have to get rid of, I think, Jamal Crawford and, and, and Austin Rivers or something like that. And he did not want to do that. Like, boy, you already got your son, what, $40 million or X amount of money. Like, right. he's going to be a solid, like, backup point guard anywhere else. Like, so... Like you said, that just goes to show that you can't be a GM and a coach at the same time, um, and it's just start, it's, it's just some just something that has to you know be taken care of over there. So, kudos to the Clippers, man. Kudos to the Clippers. On to the next topic, Tony Parker. You guys know I'm a diehard Spurs fan. Love these guys, and you know Tony Parker just came back. He came back against Dallas uh, about three games ago. Ever since then, we've been on a three-game win streak. And you know this is crazy because with Tony Parker, uh, game two of the Western Conference semifinals, we played the Rockets, and we were up. I think we were up like six or seven points or whatnot. But anyways, he ruptures his left quadricep tendon. The way he fell to the ground just looked like he was not going to play again. I think I tweeted or I saw a couple of tweets online and said, RIP Tony Parker. Because normally when you're just this old, it's just very hard to bounce back from injuries. But it just seems like there's a fountain of youth that's been discovered in the NBA because this guy is, what, 35, almost 36 years old. And 
He's been around for a long time, you know, considering the fact he's been playing since he was 18 years old and the fact that he plays for France too. I just thought his body, you know, couldn't take care of itself. But also it's an homage to Coach Pop because the way Coach Pop is, everyone gets involved. You're going to be on a minute restriction. Sometimes he's not going to play back-to-back. So that's just homage to how Coach Pop, you know, treats his players. So I guess he didn't have too much wear and tear on him back and the recovery process was a little bit better. But it's good to see that. Um looking good we just need Kawhi Leonard to come back I'm gonna be patient with that but I think Tony Parker just adds another veteran presence there he's one of those guys who he's not too vocal but he leads by example so I feel like that was definitely a boost that we needed uh you know right now we're standing you know third in the west which is always crazy every single year we're always at the top no matter what it's just this 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 culture the system that pop has had in in, in play in effect um it's just been showing wonders and lamarcus Aldridge is having a breakout year uh what do you think uh the, the current you know spurs state of mind is and how do you feel about tony parker's comeback oh uh, yeah i'm i think since i'm on the season show i might introduce a game i like to play it's called he's still in the league question mark it's crazy right because tony parker's been around for a lot long time man yeah. um but just all seriousness though um it's good to see him back because tony parker one of them players i grew up watching too um a lot of people for some reason people don't like to get the spurs credit man because of course they do things the right way the model of consistency um, but it's good to see Tony Parker back. I'm seeing they playing him like 14, 15 minutes here and there, um, getting him, you know, getting his body right. But like you said, one thing about Pop, man, he's always been good at trying to keep his players fresh, especially considering a lot of the times his best players were a lot older. So I feel like him coming back is, like you said, is going to bring that veteran presence. And he's been there before. Um, you know, he's been there through championships, battling the Lakers, OKC. He's seen like all the great players in their prime, and you know, just that that knowledge is something that's you can't you can't really buy from like getting a superstar player or something like that but um one thing about the spurs though you already know we all know they like the patriots of the nba <laughs> you know bill belichick um greg popovich almost the same person in my eyes you think they're friends <laughs> they have to be friends have to court, have to man have to because it's, it's it's amazing that this team has my whole life like at first it used to be the lakers and the spurs but the spurs seem like the one team that has been good my whole 24 years of living that I've, I've been on this earth watching nba they have always been good or close to good i don't think they ever had a season that they didn't win at least 50 games uh, you can correct me on that because you might know more than me but i don't think they ever had a situation where they was less than 50 less than top three in the west but you know and the craziest thing about it they are third in the west right now without Kawhi leonard who is arguably top three player in the league so that's that's scary right there so what's gonna happen when he comes back hell even last year man when he was playing the Warriors they, they was giving the Warriors everything they had and Oracle it was it was a shame to see him go down because I really wanted to see how that seven game series was gonna play out because I knew it was going seven um at least and the Spurs man you know there's nothing really to talk here you know Greg Popovich gonna have them boys playing each and every night um, but it's good to see Tony Parker back. Manu Ginobili out there, man. I'm thinking it's 2003 all over again. <laughs> <laughs> my thing is, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I said, I've been a diaspora fan my whole life. But why do you think every single year, why do people always slight us or put us to the side and then when playoffs come they're like oh oh don't don't forget about the Spurs don't forget about the Spurs why, why do you think that you think we're just so boring to watch we do everything the right way we don't have no like super like Kawhi's a superstar but as far as like box office success you know being on commercials and whatnot Kawhi really doesn't get stuff like that do you think it's a combo of all those things that makes us go irrelevant until it really matters 
Um, I honestly think, like I was telling you about before the show, um, about LeBron, and we're going to get on that later, of course, but it's, I think people are so accustomed to the Spurs being so good that oftentimes you take it for granted. So, you know what I'm saying? And like you said, it goes into the fact that they don't have those superstars that's, you know, you're going to see on the commercials. Like, of course, it's easier to talk about LeBron every day. It's easier to talk about KD and Steph Curry. Hell, it's even easier to talk about the OKC Thunder, who's obviously struggling really real bad. But they got three guys that's extremely marketable. But um, the thing about the Spurs, man, it's just, I think we just take them for granted, man. Popovich is a guy that you can never sleep on. Um, I try to tell these people that even when they lost to the Heat the first time, I've told people that going into that series, you can't sleep on them. You know, you can't never sleep on the Spurs. Anytime a Greg Popovich coach team is going against you, you have to make sure you got you on your P's and Q's. And because nine times out of ten, talent may beat out, but nine times out of ten, he's going to outcoach whoever you're going against. So that's a fact. And I just think, man, people just need to just stay hip, man. The Spurs may be boring, but they play a great brand of basketball, even with guys that you may not heard of. Like Patty Mills is a guy, man. People don't. But every time I watch the Spurs play, he's one of the guys that that shows up to me because I'm like, wow, this guy, I thought he was, you know, regular role player, ninth man off the bench, but he come in, he played quality minutes. When you're getting production from guys like that, look at Jonathan Simmons when he used to play for y'all. Look at the players he put in. Like I said, it's almost like the Patriots in the NFL, you know. A lot of these guys you may never heard of, but Pop get them in position to play the best they can. And that's in terms why they're able to win because they don't have to rely on superstar power to stay in games and win games. And that's something in the league where we call it the star league where you can have role players that come in and provide quality minutes off the bench each and every night or quality minutes from your secondary starters. That's what goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. And just to wrap it up, man, uh, to, to it's it's very, very hard to beat the San Antonio Spurs. Like you, A, we, a, we have to just be somewhat injured or B, you really, really, really have to be us because every game I've seen we lose, if we're like even fully healthy or not, it's only by a couple of points, a few possessions here and there. Like just to go down memory lane, when we lost, when we lost to Miami, you know that first time, Kawhi missed two straight free throws. Ginobili missed a free throw. They got a rebound. Ray Allen saved him. Like a lot of stuff has to go in someone else's favor. And I got mad. Like when Tim Duncan was still like basically on his last leg, we had the Clippers in the seven game series. Um, I remember Chris Paul had a messed up hamstring and just hit a ridiculous shot game seven. Um, so and then last year, I mean the year before that, when we actually, you know, played OKC in the second round, there was a few weird calls. I remember Dion Waiters like fouled Ginobili when he was trying to inbounds the ball. It was just like a lot of weird stuff that just goes different ways and can cause a whole shift within the series. But I feel like truly this year with the addition of Rudy Gay, Kawhi coming back, the reemergence of of Lamarcus Aldridge, if he can stay this dominant, I think we can make some noise. And I got us as the Big, the biggest threat, you know, aside from OKC if they get their act together, but I think we're the biggest threat for oh, the for the for the Warriors. Most definitely. Um, moving on from there, let, let's just I was gonna go to these, you know, this player ejection thing, but before we go to that, let's just talk about OKC for like a minute or two. Uh, to make a long story short, they're still underachieving right now. They're the ninth seed. They're nine and twelve. They just won yet last night against. Uh, the Timberwolves, but before that, they were losing to like Dallas. Uh, they, they lost to who else did they lose to? They lost to Dallas. They lost to. It's a, it's a lot of teams that they shouldn't lose to. Let's Orlando, I think. It's just <laughs> like what? Like, I just saw them before Thanksgiving break, like, slaughter the Warriors. Like, and it, it just seems like the first half, they're, they go ballistics. They It starts with the defense. From there, they get points off transition, get easy threes. And the fact that you got three. 
ISO plays a blessing and a curse because they can get their bucket at any given time. But things seem so good in the first half. The second half, they just come out sluggish, blow their lead. And then it just comes down to hero ball. You know, they just they can't close in the fourth quarter. And you think with all those options, they can close. You know what I'm saying? But what do you think is going on with them? I personally think, you know, Russ is the best player, yeah. But I think you got to make... Melo sometimes wants to be the first or second option, but he has to be the third option. There's even rumors of him going on, coming off the bench. I don't think he needs to come off the bench, but D-Wade leaving by example, you, you see what that does if he's all about winning. Uh, sometimes it seems like Melo is more about himself, so he can be a little selfish, but I think he can still start. I just think that they have to let Paul George be himself. Um, there's just a few games I saw, even last night, although he had, what, 30, 40 points, he was still facilitating for them, and I think he needs to just carry on that load of like, I'm going to get others involved and I'm going to get my own. Let Melo be that that third option. How how you feel about this whole thing? And I agree with that too. Um, as far as the Melo take, that's that's a great point because um, that's the biggest thing too. Like Melo, like you said, he comes in. Um, Melo has a tendency now at his you know older age now to settle for a lot of long twos. Man, I think that's like the worst shot in basketball. Um, and of course, when he's hitting, he's hitting. But at the end of the day, like he needs to relegate himself to, you know, picking and choosing his spots instead of trying to, you know, think of four years ago. Um, good point about Paul George as well. I feel like that's the biggest thing to me for OKC. I feel like Paul George needs to, because a lot of the games that I watch from him, from him, he can be a lot of tentative unless he start hitting. That's when you start seeing, you know, looking like Paul George. But a lot of times, if he's not involved in the offense early, he can tend to fade away. And I think PG is too good to do that. I think. Him and Russ are like, they, sh- they can bring that dynamic like Russ and KD had, you know what I'm saying, where, you know, you can definitely take advantage of that. And the biggest thing, too, I know, I don't know how Andre Robertson has a job. <laughs> I mean, I, I had when you brought, I had to bring this up. He must be the greatest defender in the world to be able to stay on the court for all the minutes and can't do anything in his own offense. And that's a big thing, too. That hurts their offense, too, because when you got basically playing four and five on offense, you got teams that's not even looking his way on offense. And I think that hurts him as well because how can you beat teams every night going four and five? Um, so that's something, I feel like that's something that got to be addressed. I know he's a great defender, but ain't nobody that good at defense where you can go a whole game <laughs> and teams not even, they not even giving you the, the eight-foot jump shot, let alone a three. Um, and I think that's hurting them too. Uh, you just got to just be able to find a way to get another guy in there that alleviate, alleviate the pressure. Because right now, the Stars not getting it done to the point where we thought they was going to get it done. And, you know, but I did always think that this was a rush job. I think they just got a lot of big names together and didn't really have a plan for how they was going to work it out. And I think you seeing that lack of preparation and lack of getting, you know, the roles defined, I think that's what's hurting them right now. But it's a long season. I think they're going to turn it around at some point. I think they got to turn it around by Christmas time. If they don't turn around by Christmas time, then, then I don't know, man. The way it's looking right now, like I said, they're ninth. They're 9 and 12. It's looking like, unless they go on like a crazy win streak like Cleveland or something, it's looking like they're probably going to fall between like the 6th to 8th seed. That's still a problem. In the, like, all they have to do is get to the playoffs. If they, Once you get to the playoffs, it's just something different. Like, these these guys, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, you know, even Steven Adams with his experience with Melo, they know how to play the game of basketball. And everything gets slowed down. It's a seven-game series. All you got to do is make a few adjustments here and there. But... They're going to be a problem, man. So, like you said, I wouldn't be too flustered on it, but it's definitely time. It's definitely time to, you know, start taking strides. And 
I, I forgot what analysts was talking a few days ago. They were saying that could you possibly fire Billy Donovan? But at the end of the day, it's, it's on the players because we see the glimpses of what they be, what they can become. We saw what they did to the Warriors. We see what they do most of the time in the first half. We see how they're one of the best defensive teams. So it's a matter of trusting each other, taking better shots, knowing who's role it is accepting your role and just trying to close it out exactly so that's all that that's all i gotta say with that moving on you know lebron james uh who was he playing against when he got that first technical ever first ejection uh was it against i forgot who it was against anyways lebron james got kicked out of his first game and he got ejected by this this uh uh, referee named I think Kane Fitzgerald. Yep, that's right. That's how you pronounce it, Kane Fitzgerald. Um, apparently, this is a young guy who's he's only a few years older than LeBron. Doesn't have that much experience. Decided to toss him out. LeBron was, you know, got frustrated. He felt like he kept getting fouled, um, and he took his frustration out on the ref, and he got tossed. Um, and it was funny. He he, I think he posted on Instagram or or he made a tweet about like how Jordan had his signature shoes from the flu games. Yeah. He kind of made a joke about it for his ejection shoes. So. Hey, people, if you have those shoes, invest in that right now. It's going to be worth a lot of money in the future. Um, But what I I just want to say is, like, a lot of players have just been getting injected here and there. Like you mentioned um, when we were off off of here, you said KD just got out. You know, Anthony Davis just got out. Curry just got out. Like, what's going on right now? (laughs) I mean, it looked like to me the referee is getting fed up, man. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, yeah, they tired of they. T- they don't care about no LeBron James no more. <laughs> Even though they, c- they could think that if they want, they ain't gonna be in a job too much longer. But um, I don't know, man. It's one of those things. Like I just thought it was funny that you in the same week you have multiple superstar level players get thrown out of a game. And I know Adam Silver. He may not say it, but I know it for him and his dollars, his bottom line, that he probably won't too happy because you know that's what people come to see that's who the people come to see you know so it's i don't know it's funny like the lebron ejection was even more funny to me just for the fact that fitzgerald's explanation was that he saw lebron throw an air punch at him and you know he said numerous expeditions but an air punch come on now that's just a regular it's something that happens every night if he was going to throw some dude out over that then half the league would get thrown out that's i don't i just think you know i think for that one particular instance um i felt like he was just I felt like he just, you know, he tired of the players coming at him, I guess. I don't know. He's a young guy. He probably don't know the, how the NBA works yet all the way. Um, but I just think he was frustrated. Now, the other two, um, of course, they deserved it. Anthony Davis was ridiculous. I don't know what happened to him before the game, but he must have been frustrated because he looked like he was trying to fight the ref. So he deserved that and his $25,000 fine that he ended up getting to. So, but I'm sure he make a lot of money, so it probably didn't hurt him too much. They didn't hurt him at all. <laughs> Meanwhile, we trying to live off of something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just crazy because I remember LeBron James arguing. He was like, yo, like, I'm not a jump shooter. You guys are trying to make me into a jump shooter. Like, I'm not about that. If you look at the stats, like, I'm one of the top players that attacks the basket and still don't get fouled. And now a lot of people are saying it might be that Shaq defect, mm-hmm. that the fact that he's too big, we, we take it for he granted. Take he can take that. that. But at the end of the day... If I'm getting fouled, like, call the foul. Like, I don't care if I'm bigger than you. A foul is a foul. Right. Foul is a foul, man. But like you said, the Shaq thing, a lot of people see, oftentimes he just shrugs these things off. So, like I said, with LeBron, I just feel like he's, they come, come numb to it. Like, oh, he can finish that. He always does. So oftentimes when it goes up and then the ball doesn't go in, then you probably think, oh, I should have called a foul. I thought he was going to make it. I think that's probably what, what happened most of the time. 
For sure, for sure. And even like continue with LeBron, but slightly different. The Cavs are on an 11 game win streak. Uh, the other night, they just crushed Memphis, and LeBron Shocker. scored like 13 straight points. He looked like, I don't like to compare players, but he looked like MJ. He just said, oh. Give me the rock, and I'm going to just take us to the promised land. And I've just, in this win streak, I've just been seeing a lot of killer instinct from Bron. I know you're going to talk about he always had it, but like, I guess because he had Kyrie or whatever, like, he always had someone to refer to but he's really going out here and just seizing the moment and i and i love it like this is kind of a new notion of lebron that i haven't seen in such a long time and if you can carry this with him man it's it's scary right now he's what averaging 28 points nine assists 1.3 steals 1.2 blocks eight rebounds shooting 58 percent from the field while still shooting 40 percent from three-point line like normally people who shoot threes and are efficient like their best is 49 percent, maybe 50 percent. but the fact that he's shooting a lot of threes and shooting and still shooting 58 percent from the field like that's crazy it's his 15th year in the league and i was telling jc off this i was like yo is it is it a disgrace sort of that he's been in the league for 15 years and no one has tried to surpass him yet you would think he'd be slowing down by now but I don't think he's from this planet. He might be an android. He might be Superman. He might have been dropped here because we don't even know who his dad is. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he might be from somewhere else because it makes no sense. I feel like he might be an android or something because this dude has not had no major injuries. He may he may try to mess with us and be like, yeah, I'm still a human because he tweaks his ankle every now and then. But, like, this dude right. is just on another level. Um, and I think now... You know, a lot of people kept saying MJ versus Braun, MJ versus Braun. Oh, MJ has six rings. But a lot of people are starting to like really tackle down into they're trying to view. Are you the best player of all time from the aspect of your longevity and the stats, too? And it's just like you're not going to see players like that who can keep up this level of, you know, excellence. How's your whole thought on the win streak and your whole thought on LeBron James? Well, I have to say that I try to tell people, man, um, the Cavs are struggling early, but at the end of the day, as we've grown to know for a long time now, any LeBron James-led team in the Eastern Conference, you really have no worries about them. Yeah, they're on an 11-game winning streak. Uh, <laughs> we played them tough, though. I thought my Sixers was going to pull it out against them the other night, but of course, LeBron was great again. Um, but one thing about King James and the Cavs, man, I still feel like, you know, I still feel like they got some deficiencies, but... LeBron James is what more can you say? Um, this is this is usual stuff. You, you pointed out his numbers just now, but I mean, this is what he's been doing for the better part of more than a decade. So I mean, I'm not surprised at all that the Cavs are on a roll because you know at some point we just knew they would. Um, but the thing about LeBron, um, like I said, there's really nothing to say because this is all stuff we all knew. It's the it's <laughs> to me, to me. Um, I'm not going to approach the MJ subject because you might get a lot of unsubscribers from that because you know <laughs> you can't never talk about LeBron and MJ together because that's a subset of people that still for some reason don't want to give LeBron his credit. But as far as his legacy, like you said, the biggest thing is longevity. Um, he might be. One super because you see Kobe, you saw Le you saw Iverson, my favorite player. You saw a lot of guys just break down toward the end of their career, whether it be injuries or not. But you haven't really had a LeBron James injury. Knock on wood. Um, and that's one thing he know how to keep his body in shape, and he stays away from those serious injuries, which allows him to continue to perform at such a great level. And of course, he adds to his game every year. He's one of the guys that's always going to put in work in the gym, as you see in his three-point shooting. Like now, his three-point shot, you know, of course you're still going to give it to him, but now really, if he got that going, how can you stop him? 
Um, the Cavs as a whole is like right now they they starting to mesh well. Like like LeBron said the other night, a lot of the guys starting to finally get into their role because you got to look at it. This look at this Cavs team compared to last year is a whole basically a whole reshaping. Um, you got basically a whole new starting five, damn near. Um, and it's it's crazy that we knew it was gonna be some growing pains early on. Um, of course, they had to wait going to the bench that started something else. Um, it's just a lot going on for the Cavs, and right now they was able to put it together. They playing well. Um, we'll see how far they can take it. But you know, they still got a lot to work on. If they have any hope of competing against the Warriors, let it, the Warriors let alone anybody else in the West for real. Um, but. Any LeBron James team, you know, you can't never count them out because, like you said, your best player in basketball, best player on the planet. Yeah, and only time will tell how far they can go. Um, so my question to you now is, you know, last week I was a wave and we talked about, you know, Celtics on a hot streak. You know, they finally lost to Miami. I knew they were going to lose to Miami. Um, but my question for you is, like, if the season ended today, uh, right now, Cavs are actually the two seed now because Detroit's been losing and Toronto's lost a few. Um, yeah, wow, they're 16 and seven to Boston's 20 and four. They're only three and a half games behind them. Who's gonna win MVP, man? Like, if the season ended today, all right, this is what I'm trying to say. Now I'm gonna ask you about your input. If the season ended today, given what Kyrie had a Given what Kyrie went through and whatnot, and he's on a new team, since he has a number one seed, I feel like it's only right to give it to him because they have the best. If you have the best record in the NBA and he's leading that team, I think you got to give it to him because that's how it normally goes. But then again, LeBron and and Harden, they're all on some other planet. But if Cleveland can eclipse the Celtics, you have to give it to LeBron James. I don't care. What do you think? Now, let's be real here, see? The NBA stopped giving LeBron James the MVP because it was easy to give it to him every year. So I'm not even going to even – because I know they, I know when it comes to being fair, they're not going to objectively give it to him, no matter how he plays. <laughs> um, but the thing is, it's hard and easy. To me, Kyrie is more so – story factor like the, the the narrative is great that's that's because if you look at his play Kyrie really isn't playing as well as you would think um watching a lot of a lot of his games you know what I'm saying his numbers down across the board which is surprising considering now he's the one shorter in the low so you would think his numbers would increase um much like a Russell Westbrook type thing when you know when Westbrook got by himself you saw his numbers increase across the board but I mean Kyrie's still playing well though don't get me wrong you know you can tell that he's fitting his role as a leader but James Harden man he's playing out of this world and I feel like my bro CT he's made a good point the other day um the year Curry first Curry MVP they didn't give it to Harden because of team then last year they didn't give it to Harden because Westbrook because Westbrook's stats so it's like at the end of the day what is it because Harden's pretty much doing everything on a team where he was pretty much you only got one other star who's happened to play basically the same position as you. You don't have other wing players. Like Harden is literally leading, like he did last year, a bunch of role guys that's basically shaped around him. And he, they pretty much blowing teams out of the water. And it's, it's, it's a shame. And I have found a stat, too, that um, apparently Vance Numbers' his defense has gotten up. Uh, one of the best on-ball defenders so far this year. I've seen that <laughs> stat. Yeah, right. It's funny. Um, one of, a friend of mine showed me a stat, an advanced stat, that showed that his defense has gotten better. So I think it's a no-brainer, man. But for some reason, the voters don't like Harden too much. You know what I'm saying? It's either his team is his team is too good, well, like in the case of last year, well, Russ' team not that good, and he averaged a triple-double. Or the year Curry won it, well, Harden got the numbers, but his team not as good as Curry's. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the voters got against Harden, but if it continues to play out like it is this year, Harden is easy for me. Look at his numbers. He does it all. Yeah, um, and then just to go re, just just to resurface the whole Kyrie thing. I'm looking up his stats right now. <laughs> a, you know, he's he is playing reduced minutes 
uh, last year. He averaged, what, 35 minutes this year, a little over 31, 31 minutes a game. B, you're in a new system, so it's still going to take a while for you to get acclimated. You know, if you look at his past, like, 10 games or whatever, he's actually been putting up some pretty good numbers. Um, and I just think with this team, I already had an open mind that – it, it, it was going to be something nice. He didn't have to be the man because I think Brad Stevens is kind of like that Coach Pop, you know, effect that every any man can eat at any given time. You just have to play the right way. So I think it's just a lot of factors that go into that. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's just hard because last year I know Russell Westbrook bro- broke the record. But if you look at it, you know, the Rockets still had a good record. You know, Kawhi could have been argued for that thing as well, too. Um because I personally think Kawhi Leonard is the best two-way player. You should give it to to, to the best two-way player mixed with the record. But like you said, if numbers, if it's numbers mixed with what you have as weapons, then I, I could go hard in two. But that's just something we're going to be talking about for the rest of the year, those top three heads. Um, and it's just going to be exciting to see. You know, there's a lot of basketball left, so anything can happen right now. You know what I'm saying? Last but not least, last topic is going to be like a minute or two. <laughs> We're going to play a game. Is Lonzo Ball a bust? What do you think, JC? <laughs> Lonzo Ball, man, he's a victim of LeVar Ball, like I've always said. I mean, look at his numbers. He's averaging 9-7-7. His shooting has been porous. So we know that. But, I mean, 9-7-7, not too – I mean, that's not that's what not you expect. Point. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Um, And the thing is – all these other rookies should be thankful that Lonzo Ball came in with them because a lot of dudes are getting a lot of, they flying under the radar for their horrible play as well. Malik Monk, for one, was a guy that I thought the Sixers should get before we traded for the number one, of course, but Malik Monk averaging seven points a game. Pretty much, you're not hearing anything from him. De'Aaron Fox for the Kings, he's averaging 10, shooting under 40% from the field. I mean, there's a lot of guys, a lot of rookies that's, a lot of rookie guards that aren't translating well to the NBA as of right now. But, of course, Lonzo Ball carries the name, so a lot of people are going to pay more attention to that. Yeah, like he just pulled it up. Malik Monk averaging 7.5 points a game, 1.9 rebounds, 1.5 assists. I mean, 34% from the, field. 34% from the field. I mean, there's a lot of rookies that's not playing up to the potential that you thought they had. Look at Markel Foles from Philly. Much like the Philly – I call it the Philly curse, but, um, you know, we can never have a rookie play the first year. But even when he played, he couldn't – he didn't shoot jumpers. His free throw was jacked up. I mean, Lonzo Ball just getting the – Getting, getting the flack because he's of who he is, Levar Ball really. But um, you know what I'm saying I feel like he'll he'll be all right. You know when the Lakers get all this talent next year, like we like we know it's gonna happen, he'll be all right. Yeah, man. A lot of people, you know, I love Ben Simmons. I think he's gonna be the next, you know, LeBron. Uh, That's my guy. I think LeBron, if he could go anywhere else and stay in the East, either play with the Greek Freak or play with Ben Simmons and Embiid. It's, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. Or the Knicks. A lot of people saying the Knicks with Porzingis or whatnot, but I think he don't, don't like Dolan. He don't. He don't like <laughs> Nolan or whatever. So I think 76ers don't my hopes up, <laughs> or the Bucks next year. I don't, I don't know about the whole Lakers situation being in the West. I feel like if LeBron did that, they would just have to take off <laughs> East and West. Just just go based on your seating. You know what I'm saying? Because that's tough. Because if LeBron goes to the West and he gets knocked out the first round, which is he can is very well capable in the West, then that's, that might mess up his legacy. So stay in the East, bro. But anyways, with Lonzo Ball, um, I don't think he's a bust. I just think we put too much pressure on him. And we got to realize, like, the dude's not even fully grown. He's still small. You know, he has height, but his dad put a lot of pressure on him. It's his first year. He he came out of a different system. He didn't even finish a full year of college, let alone, you know, I mean, he finished a full year of college, but, like, he just needs more experience. Like, 
if you look at Ingram's stats, he probably averaged, what, like 11 points last year, probably shot like 40%. It takes time, it takes experience, and you just got to work on your game. Um, we already had an open mind coming into the season that he wasn't going to be the best defender. His jump shot was still something that was a work in progress, but the fact that he can pass already, he can get rebounds, he can get you involved, like those are positive signs. And when he gets his weight up, I think he needs to change his shot. We'll see how the season unfolds. And once he gets his strength up, it's 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 going to be a wrap, I think. I, I give him a year or two more at tops. Um, I think he's going to still be a, a transcendent player as far as, you know, making passing the cool thing now. Uh if you if you watch him play, man, he he's fast. Like he gets up and down the court, but I think sometimes he just has a moment where he just passes the ball too fast. Passes very. Yeah. Once he gets rid of get once he gets away from that, um, he's gonna be all right, man. Any last things you want to say, you know, with Lonzo Ball and whatnot? Um, yeah. One last thing I'm gonna say about Lonzo is that we just like I said, you gotta remember, man. One thing it's easy to clown him, call him a bust, and everything like that. But remember why you're doing that for. I don't think a lot of people do this for Lonzo Ball because they think Lonzo Ball trash. I think a lot of this is because they want to shut LeVar Ball up. And that's and I think that's messed up. Um, Lonzo, a dude that you can see every night, he just, he don't talk. He let us, he tried his best to let us play through the talking. So let's remember that. It's not like Lonzo Ball out here telling you that he's all this, that, and the third. Think about your parents whenever you're doing something great. Um, you know, your parents would let to brag about you too. So just keep that in mind. LeVar Ball over the top. But let's let's like I said, let's let's ease up on Lonzo a little bit because if you look around the NBA, there's a lot of rookies out here that should be getting the same type of flack and backlash too. But the fact that they don't carry that same weight of their name, they're getting they getting it easy. They're getting a pass right now. So let's not forget that. All right, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going back to like Ben Simmons, like I said, he's gonna be Maybe the beast of the East in the future, more. That's, that's what's going on. Him and Embiid. Him and Embiid, if they stay healthy, all, all Benson has to work on a little bit, a little bit more defense, but his jump shot in general. I free think, throws. I'm sorry, I'm going a little off topic. Free throws. The Wizards showed that you can get to him mentally mm -hmm. and foul him like the DeAndre Jordan effect. So it might get ugly in the playoffs if teams get hip to that. They might just mess up the whole series and just force them to shoot free throws. Because they even did that, I think, the other game. And they, they yep. came back in there. Like, what do you guys say about that? Man, just I, I know we probably going over the time, but I just had to say this. Because one thing I noticed watching Ben Simmons the last two games, ever since the Washington Wizards game, you can tell that the fact that his free throw woes, he is become passive in the fourth. He's not taking it to the basket. because I think he had three points or some last game. He shot the ball less than, like, seven. he shot the ball seven times. And I'm sitting there waiting. I'm watching the game in the fourth. Um, and I just noticed that he's not even being aggressive taking it to the rack no more because I think the free throw woes are getting to his head. I don't think I think he's scared to go to that line if he take that contact. And I think it's gonna hurt his game. But the thing about Ben, man, you can do so much. And of course, like I say, he's a rookie, so you know his first full year. You know he was hurt last year, so of course not every game he's gonna be what we've seen. Of course that's unfair to ask. But I noticed that um, you know he just needs to get in the gym and work on the free throws because teams gonna really start doing it because they did it last night too. Um, so. That's one thing I got to say about that. And being a Philly fan, I'm just glad. Playoffs or not, I'm just glad to have a team I can root for again. It's been four years. Andre Iguodala was our, bad, our best player last time. We was actually any good. So I'm going to take it. I'm taking this. Just I'm on along for the ride, man. Shout out to Philly. Philly Nation, Sixers all day. You feel me? I had to put that in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. I'm a real fan, too. I, just get on this. I was getting clowned for four-plus years, man. And I was one of those people clowning. Right. <laughs> 
But anyways, you know, it was a great episode. Great having you, JC. Thank uh, you, man. Yeah, no problem, no problem. You know, it's always a pleasure. You know, once I move to video soon, that's one of the things I really want to push towards, you know, in the beginning of 2018. So we're going to see where it goes with that. But one thing I forgot to, you know, touch on in the beginning was you're, you're a writer of more Boombox. Can you just share with us more Mo, Mo Boombox, uh, what it's about, where, where, where we can find you guys, what you guys are specializing in? Just let the, let the audience know. Yeah, man, um, Mo Boombox, basically MoBoombox.com. We do a lot of stuff, whether it be music, sports, what I dabble in. Um, we do fashion, pretty much everything. Any article you want to find, you can find it. It's mainly based around music, so if you want to find new music, local music from the DMV to 757-804, uh, we, we house it there. Um, it's a great site. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, it's like, see, we're trying to do some things here on our own. And, you know, hopefully we can build an audience. But the biggest thing is we're trying to, you know, showcase a lot of people that's out here doing good things and showcase a lot of good music, sports, news, all that. So check it out when you can, moboombox.com. Um, my name is JC. Shout out to C, Sir Caesars. Um, the Caesars podcast, man. It's, it's been great, man. Thank you for having me. No problem, man. Always a pleasure, you know what I'm saying? So this episode is definitely going to be fire. I think people are going to love this, you know, a lot of good facts, a lot of objectives, subjections, a lot of stuff in it, you know. And I want some closing remarks before I give my, you know, official closing remarks. For everyone who just feels like they're stuck, you know, who has that talent and, and, and they're just afraid of, you know, trying to attain that. Just take a step back, look yourself in the mirror, and just and just believe in yourself. You know, what I'm saying a lot of people get get stuck on complacency and and are, are scared to just go out of their own comfort zone. But like, just think about this: you only have one life to live. Why not live it to the fullest? Don't look back. Don't let these time. Don't let time pass you by, and you 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 look on it and be like, damn, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have done that. Make a plan carry out that plan um surround yourself with good people and just know that if you keep your eyes on the prize good things can happen for you so thanks for listening to episode 23 of the caesar's show um make sure to you know subscribe to me on the caesar's show um it's on itunes and it's on soundcloud so definitely download that hit the you know the like button and you know rate it do whatever you gotta do spread the word um and look forward to next week's episode we out